0: Well good morning, I invite you guys again to open your Bibles right now to uh, the book of Matthew chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 3 through 17, is where we're going to be today. And we are going through a series called Iconic. Now, if you've not been with us for, uh, well, I guess like, like last week, we began the series Iconic. And really, we're trying to uh, effectively reveal who Jesus Christ is to us as believers. And to those who may not believe, guess what? This is an awesome opportunity for you to understand who this Jesus is, who this Jesus is that we are worshiping, who we talk about. And today we're talking about the fact that Jesus is king, that Jesus is king. Now, before we go to Matthew chapter 3, what I want to do just briefly is to read this scripture over you. And it's going to be on the screen. You can actually read it with me. If you have no Bible, I would encourage you to grab one uh, from the back there in that corner of some Bibles for you guys. Or you could, this one is one of those opportunities where if you have Wi-Fi, like in the building, which we do for free, download the Bible app. Use the power of the Internet. Bibles on your phone, but we're going to open the book of Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, and it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now in reading this text, we see that God, this Jesus, the God-man has been spoken of prophesied years before he even existed to do this one thing he is the anointed one see there are few people in history who get anointed and one of those people really are kings they get anointed and this anointing that usually they use oil and it runs across their head all the way down to their body and all this different stuff is just to say hey you are the chosen one and Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus was chosen as king, as Messiah, as the one who's be able to fulfill this prophecy. Again, we are having this time to show who Jesus is and using the idea of iconic. And now when you think about kings in our days, there's some people we can talk about. For example, the king of rock and roll is anyone in the room. Elvis Presley, thank you very much, right? Uh, No one has argued that for a while, and I believe that's still a standing thing. But when we get to things like the king of pop, we have people like Prince, right? For some people, and then other people would arguably say that, (laughs) <laughs> this oh, Michael Jackson, like that's like that's that's the argument, right? That it's either Prince or Michael Jackson. You can talk about that later on and maybe duke it out in scum, right? But the point is this: there are these people who we see in our our time as prominent are kings of particular areas, and in. England, over in England, there was a lady who celebrated, I think, her 70th or 75th year of being in power. And she's the queen of England, right? Not necessarily a king, but she has authority. Interestingly enough, she has so much authority that everyone in the country utterly, intimately respects and honors her. Even people in nations where England took over years and years before, like they're not even there anymore, But people around the world were celebrating this lady's rule. Insane. Insane. She's not like the government, but still has enough power to, like, literally affect the government. Now, for me personally, I think of a person in Uganda called the Kabaka. He's also a king, and he has the same authority. So much so that he does not walk on the ground. People, when he's walking around, would actually lay down things for him to walk on. Like people actually lie down on their backs for him to walk on their backs. So this is what we're talking about. That these people are kings in our time that we have given honor and respect and love and care for. And I'm trying to convince you guys today that Jesus is not just the king of one area. No, he's the king of our lives. He owns and rules everything. And he is duly to be honored for who he is Now, the beginning of this text begins in Matthew 3, 2, which says this, that in those days, John the Baptist, John the Baptist came preaching the wilderness of Judea saying, repent for the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, for context, we talked about last week about John the Baptist, that he himself was not the light, but he was leading people to the light. He's leading people to Jesus. We talked about how you and I are kind of like John the Baptist. You're kind of like the best man. You say, hey, guess what? This, this, this life you're living is meant to be lived for God. And so what happens is, is this John the Baptist is still preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist, the Bible says, the greatest man born of a woman. Think about that. That's what the Bible says, the greatest man ever born of a woman. And what is his message? What is he saying? Repent for the kingdom is at hand. And repent is this word that we get confused around all the time because we've grown up in church. But the word repent simply means this. It's a change of direction caused by a change of heart, okay? Not just a change of heart. Like, in my mind, I'm I'm just going to change my heart and not do something. No, no. It's a change of direction. Like, you're walking this way, and then all of a sudden, you decide to turn 180 degrees and go the opposite direction. Repentance is not just a thing in your heart, in your mind. It also has an action. It's an action. And repentance is at the center of the gospel, Like, it was the first thing that was coming out of John the Baptist's mouth after having 400 years. Get this. Between Malachi and the first book in the New Testament, there were 400 years when they had not heard any prophet of God. 400 years waiting for direction. And then John the Baptist comes on the scene and he says, repent. Repent was the first word uh, of Jesus' gospel in Matthew 4 and 14. He talks about Repentance. And when he talks to these people, these 12 disciples, he talks about repentance. See, repentance is just scattered throughout the scripture. And finally, at the bottom, we hear in Acts 2, 38, the day of Pentecost. Because actually last Sunday or the Sunday before was Pentecost Sunday, which is amazing. And what happens is that this man, Peter, Simon Peter, who did ideas three times, his message that comes out is, in fact, the first words that come out of his mouth to all these people were after 3,000 plus people were saved. His first words were, repent. All that to say, repentance is pretty important. It's pretty important. But why is it important? What makes it a big deal? What makes it a big deal to turn from my old life to turn to God? Why? The scripture says this again, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's close. And for some of us, we look at this idea of heaven and the kingdom like it's such a far-off thing. Aaron, we've been waiting for this kingdom for such a long time. It's been a while. And to some of us, the kingdom is far off. It will never get here. It's been a long, like how many years since BC, AD? Like he split time, but geez, like when is he coming back? That's a question people keep asking. Some of us believe, honestly, that the kingdom is a dream. It's ethereal. And so we've had these ideas of heaven because we see stuff on TV. And it's a cloudy space, and God sits on a cloud, and he has a long white beard. Like, that's our image of what heaven is. See, we believe the kingdom is far. We believe the kingdom is a dream. We believe the kingdom is for a latter time. Maybe not right now, but maybe next week. Maybe, like, like it's, not, it's not near. It's not something tangible to us. But my argument to you is this. The kingdom is here. It's now. You get to live kingdom principles here and now. Right here and now. And this kingdom is very, very real. It's very, very real. Which is why we always ask you guys, and you've heard us say this from stage in conversations, that we want you guys to live and love like Jesus. See, as you live and love like Jesus, you're establishing this kingdom this peace you feel when you come into this room and hang out with one another, or even just play scum and maybe even lose sometimes. like it's, it's just like this is the beginning of the kingdom. These are just inklings of what God is doing. See, the kingdom is now. Again, we believe the kingdom is far. We believe the kingdom is going to be coming another time. But I'm telling you that the kingdom itself is here and now. And we believed that to get to heaven, to get to this space, to get to this kingdom that God wants us to be a part of, that our hearts are set on these other lies. The lies that, one, you have to be good enough to get to this kingdom. People who go to this kingdom have to be a certain kind of person. Good enough. Special. Like you've done some crazy, amazing stuff. Like you're up there with Mother Teresa Probably not going to do it in your lifetime, right? But like, like, that's what we believe. Or we believe that the kingdom is for those who are hard working. And for some of us, we've come out of religion or you're in this religion right now. You're in this space where you're like, I have to do all these things to have a good opportunity to meet God in heaven. And that's not the line. I want to free you today from any burden where you're feeling like, I have to do all these things to reach God, to reach his kingdom. No, he says the kingdom itself In Isaiah 61 is this. It's for people like you and me. People who are brokenhearted. How many of you guys ever had a broken heart, right? Something happened and then you just, like, it just didn't work out for you. Brokenhearted. God says the kingdom is for you. See, the qualification is a little different. You think it's because someone read their Bible enough, is they prayed enough. Because we just talked about VBS. You're like, oh, my gosh, if I go to VBS, I'll have a star and God will see me. No, no, no. He says it's about you. Believing. Last week we said you become a Christian the moment you believe in God. So if you're brokenhearted, if you're a person who has had issues and been disappointed, the kingdom is for you. This kingdom is for the captive. How many of you ever felt stuck in a situation, like awkward situation, can't get out of it, like there's no way for you to survive? If you're a captive, or in some sense, you're a captive of your sin. Like you've been dabbling in pornography, try to stop a few times. You've been taking drugs, try to get all these, these friend groups. They're not helping you. And guess what? You are captive of your own desire. You're captive of your own sin. The Bible says in James that we are caused to sin by our own selfish desires. No one can say that God made me sin. Or, in other words, the devil made me do it. No, you have particular desires. And the kingdom is for those people who are feeling stuck. See, this is already hopeful for me because I know for many years I was stuck in my sin for about a year. Literally a year. I spent every evening, almost every weekend, even Tuesdays, going to the club, sleeping with prostitutes. I know I'm your pastor. Praise God. This should give you hope. Like, think about this. This is what's going on here. The kingdom is for the captive. The kingdom is also for those who mourn. People who've cried out out and had deep pain and struggled. And for some of you, you you may be struggling with depression. The kingdom is for you. You don't have to be happy, happy happy-go-lucky all the time. There is joy in the Holy Ghost for sure. But the kingdom is for those who mourn. And in Matthew, we learn that that mourning is not just over things that have happened in your life. It's for people who mourn over their own captivity, people who mourn over their brokenness, people who mourn over the things that have held them in sin for a long time. Again, the kingdom is for the brokenhearted, the kingdom is for the captive, it's for those who mourn, and it's also for those who are humble. See, to recognize that you are brokenhearted, to say, no, no, because like, we just came out of a series called It's Okay Not To Be Okay. For you to recognize that you have an issue and say, guess what? Like, I got issues and, and be willing to come out and ask for help, that takes humility. Ultimately, this kingdom is for people who are humble, not for the proud, not for the person who lifts the, the the heaviest or runs the furthest or reads the most chapters of Proverbs in a day. Like, it doesn't work like that. It's all about those who are humble, who are willing to give themselves to God. And so in Matthew 3, 7 through 8, we see that John the Baptist has all these people coming to him, and some of the people who came to him were Pharisees. And these Pharisees were people who were teachers of the Word of God. Now, I would kind of liken them to people who were like church kids. Right? How many of you guys grew up in the church? I, this is me. I grew up in the church all day. I know all the answers, I know all the things, and all the stuff. And my struggle growing up was this trying to really relate what I know in my head to what I know in my heart. Like, that was my struggle. Like there was a disconnect because I've been here. I've done all the VBSs. I've done all that stuff. I, I grew up on mission. I don't know how many times my father said, Aaron, come and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Like so many times I'm not like, crying. I don't want to do it. So I'm familiar with all the moves and all the things. You might be in this space as well because he says this to these people. He says, he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to, to his baptism. He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, why do I say that or even line those, like some of us up to that space? See, many of us, maybe in this room, you might be living this life where you've been a part of church, you've been a part of all these things, but your life doesn't reflect the love and life of Jesus. See, he calls them that because they're teaching this law, they're speaking this law, they're judging people. Can I say right here, honestly, that church people can be the most judgmental? Like the most judgment, we're the only people who, like, really, like, kill our wounded. Like, people are hurt. They need help. They need someone to come alongside them, to lift them up. Then you find out that, oh, who's gossiping? The Christians. Like, what's going on with that? No, we're not to be like that. He calls us to bear fruit of repentance. The king is calling us to bear fruit. It's almost like he's talking about the Garden of Eden. And you remember the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve lived in bliss with God together? Heaven and earth were kissing. It was amazing. We're supposed to live like trees that bear fruit of, like, the gardener. Like, I would not expect a banana tree to have oranges. That's just weird. I don't know about you guys, but that's just weird. I would expect it to bear the fruits of what it's supposed to be. And he's called us to this. And this is what he's called us to. This is what this kingdom is calling us to. This kingdom is calling us to love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's what he's calling us to. See, he takes us in and then calls us higher. And he brings us to that place where we can express those things in freedom and in joy. Not to get to him, not at all, but because he loves us enough to change us and to heal us and to make us whole. He wants to make us whole. In 9 through 10, he continues talking to these people. He says, And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. For even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What is he saying? And for some of us, we might be in this space where we think because our parents are Christian, we automatically come into this kingdom. He says this, no, you're actually not naturally born into this kingdom. It doesn't work like that. We aren't naturally born into this kingdom. We don't just transfer because my brother did it or my cousin did it or my mom did it or my dad did it. And this is the beauty also of the gospel, that it's personal, that you have an opportunity to trust God on your own, Like, that's the beauty of the whole situation, that you have an opportunity to meet God where you are, how you are, and he can love you and meet you in that space. So unique is his love for each and every single one of us that I believe when John, like we talked about last week, says, I am John the Beloved. Like, in all these disciples, he felt he was the most beloved of all those people because God loved him specifically, and God will love you specifically See, we're not naturally born into this faith. We are actually born again. Something happens that's new in us. Where the things we used to do, we don't do anymore. Everything changes, and there's a shift, because Jesus Himself is our hope. What happens next in the remainder of this text is amazing. If you guys have your Bibles and want to open up to Matthew chapter three, we can look at it together. And what it says. In Matthew chapter 3 is this, that as John the Baptist is preaching, there's like shuffling. I don't know if you guys read the Bible and you like read it like a movie, but I kind of do. And so I would imagine like he's preaching and then you just see Jesus like walking through the crowd. And then John the Baptist is like preaching all these different things, baptizing people. And the, the crowd like splits because like they just feel the power of this person walking through and he gets into this river and he gets into this river to this point point. he has this conversation with John and he says, John, I want you to baptize me. And John, this is like verses like 14 through 17, like go read this, it's amazing. This is what happened. And John's, he's like, dude, I, I can't. I'm I'm even I'm I'm unworthy to even tie untie your sandals. Now what does that mean to us back in the day? If you were walking around, you were like Jesus sandals. You guys have seen huaraches or you've seen the sandals I wear sometimes. Whatever the point is this, there's these sandals. Wherever you walk around, you have dust on your feet, and your feet are grimy. No Nike, no Vans, none of that stuff, right? So no socks, none of that. Wherever you walk, you track the dust of that area. And so when you come to someone's home, traditionally what happens is you would sit down and they would give you a, like a bucket of water and they'll take off your, your, your sandals, right? And then like wash your feet. Not for me, I, I just, I'm not about that. Tickling feet, I don't, just don't, don't do it. We will fight, okay? But they take off your shoes and they like really wash your, like your legs and then dry them and then you can... Go inside the house. And so he goes, I can't, I'm can't. i not even worthy to be a servant. Because people who did that were servants. I'm not even worthy to do that to you, God. Now, in, in that moment, you, you could kind of say, would Jesus be like, that, that's true, that's true. I got you. No, that's not what he says. He says, dude, this has to be fulfilled for all righteousness. Like, this is not about you. And that's what we call right there what John the Baptist has is a false humility. And some of us have a false humility where we're just serving and doing all these things like, oh, God, it's not, about, it's, it's not about me. When people say, hey, you did a great job singing. Yes, yes. You did a great job with that, yes. And praise God, it's okay. Instead of saying, let's push it aside. No, no, so Jesus has this conversation with him. says, hey, it's all right. This is not about you. This has to be fulfilled for all righteousness, for that all of us have an example that in Jesus, even Jesus humbled himself. See, the kingdom is about this, this humility. And this is what happens here in this next few verses is literally Jesus' coronation in, in this space. Everyone could see it. Like, no one could deny it. This is what happens. Next few verses, 17 through 18, is this. The sky is opened. Now you're like, duh, it's daytime. Okay, sure, sure. It says the sky is open and heaven peers through. Okay, that's different. That's special. That's unique. And then you have the voice of God. Aaron, I'm just kidding. I don't know what God's voice sounds like. But like it comes through the clouds and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Like Jesus gets baptized, the sky is open, and then God's voice peers down, and then you have the Holy Spirit coming down in the sign of a dove. Like, all these things are happening right now in that moment. Now, I would think immediately after that that time that people would, like, in that moment, let's follow Jesus, let's go. Like, this is it. But they don't. They don't. Because not everyone is looking for the kind of king that he's representing. See, it's easier for us to say that "This, this, this king gives me stuff that's present. It's here and now. And for many of us, especially in this community, sports is our king. It's tangible. It's here and now. It's not far off. It's not distant. For some of us, really, money is our, like, our, our goal. We're, we're chasing this, this education just to have more money. And maybe, essentially, in America, more money, more debt. I don't know. It depends on where you come from. Like, the market's crashing and all those different things. I don't, I don't subscribe to that stuff. Right? Or for some of you, your king really is a relationship. And you're hoping that as you grow up, if you get married, if I just get married, if I just get into that relationship with that boy or that girl, if he asks me to prom or doesn't, that's it. Or for some of us, if I get that hit, then I'll be fine. Like your your, your feeling of ethereal like height of emotion or whatever, like that's your, your pursuit. And I'll tell you right now, all those things will fail you. What this king has come to do is to do this. And we'll talk about this next week. He's come to establish a kingdom where all that we have need of is taken care of. Every single thing as we trust him. And he's asking from you everything. Everything. Christ asks from you everything. Your time, like you said earlier. Your talent. Your emotion. Everything. He wants all Of you, that sounds like a song. But anyway, like he wants all of you, he wants all of you, he wants all of you. He doesn't want little bits and pieces on a Sunday. He doesn't want to have only one corner of the room of your heart. He wants all of you, because if he is king, then he's a king of everything. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to uh, pray and to to really talk about Jesus as our King and our Lord and our Savior. And I would ask that as we've just read your God and seen how you, how you came uh, in, in, in a form like a man and humbled yourself before, before all these people and even yourself were baptized, Lord, we thank you that we can see that example of humility, of strength, of grace, and trust you and trust you to be the one who can take us into this kingdom. We know we don't have to be strong. We're just the people who are weak, Lord God, the people who are needing of care, the people who are brokenhearted, Lord, that these are the people you bring into your kingdom, the people that people forget on the side, Lord. Those are the people you're here for. Lord, help us be people who are real with ourselves, who are humble before you, that we can be representations, Lord God, of who you seek out, Lord. And so, Lord, I thank you, Lord. I praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Here's some next steps for you, all right? If you're, if, you're, if you're in this room and you're like, okay, I heard about this kingdom, heard about this king, I would ask you to do this. Talk to a leader. Ask more about this king and kingdom. Like, where is it? When is it coming? Like, you said it's now. What does that mean for it to be now? That I can live in the joy of God now. That I can peace have peace now. Talk to a leader. We're here with you. They're around this room. They have brown tags that say leader. They're here for you. And I would challenge you also a next step to read the book of John. Like we have 21 chapters in that book. Meaning, if you start today, if you go home today, crack open the book of John. 21 days. The 10th of July. Right? Is that correct math? You'll be, you'll be done. You'll be done. Take time to read about this king. Get to know him. Get to know that he is God, that he is for you, not against you. And then next one would be this. Grow in community. Come to a summer night. Come to an after party next week. And get to meet other people who worship this king, who trust this king, who are part of this kingdom, who are broken just like you. See, the kingdom, again, is not for perfect people. But God makes us whole and finally invite someone to summer camp and i cannot overstate the importance of this see there's so many people in this room who met jesus or grew closer to god or really because of that invite like had a life change back home because of someone going to camp now camp's not magic but we're trusting that when you go to camp god's going to speak to you and so i would invite you guys Look at those next steps and ask God, where am I on this scale? What can I do next? Choose some of those things and trust God to make a change in your life.